You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental Episode 8 Hi friends, it is supplemental time. As is our tradition, we have finished the season, so now we talk about something else. Yes, now we are here to supplement. Yes. Well, the thing is, we have we have mail stacking up, and I think our next supplemental was like July 10th, because I have a, a piece of email from July 11th from Kim. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, she just got in right over the wire, so <laughs> sorry, now i got to sit on it for She's four months. She's been waiting on this a while. She has, and we'll get to your mail in a second. Um... Season four was fucking fantastic. Yeah, it was. Holy shit. I mean, we had a couple of low moments, but really, just out some outstanding episodes. And, you know, like we we mentioned this on, on the last episode, but we're really in the in the great yeah. bits here. This is the TNG that we've been waiting for. Yeah. And and most of the characters had at least, you know, one good episode. I mean, you got a great Riker episode, a great Picard episode. Beverly had one. <laughs> Beverly had an episode. Yeah. Of her I mean, very even, own. Even Luxana had a good one. Like, yep. you know, really nice. Like, way more ups than downs. You're going to have downs no matter what. Yeah, that's just going to have. That's the. Yeah. That's the Star Trek way. Yeah. But a lot fewer downs this year. It was, fantastic. It was certainly no season one. No, definitely not. Um, I I want to mention real quickly, we used to do video wrap-ups uh, at the end of the uh, seasons. Mm-hmm. We are no longer doing those. Um, they're a lot of work for us. We Basically, what we've had to do is we write our summaries for the show. Then we do another round of summaries for those videos. And then we do a third round when we write our episode, guys. Yeah. So we're kind of milking the episodes a little too much and not having enough jokes for, for everything. Yeah. So. And I mean, and there, if there's two things we want to actually do the jokes for, it's the actual episodes and the book. And then the thing you pay us money for. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Call us three... shallow, but that's how we roll. Yes. We roll with at least $7 worth of book profits. Yep. Um, But, the, yeah, those videos are a lot of work, and uh, frankly, not a lot of people were watching them. And I'm, yeah. this is not a thing I usually bitch about. I don't. I don't look at the podcast listener numbers. I hope people are listening and enjoying it, or maybe they'll they'll discover it later. I don't care. Mm. But I can see on YouTube that they're just not getting the hits to justify the work. So, and eh, also sorry. to make those episodes, uh, my shark puppet had to go and live with Al, and I miss him. He's actually in the closet here right now, looking at me. Mm. It's looking at me, Ray. <laughs> now he's on the shelf, and he doesn't fit on the shelf because he's a lot longer than the other puppets. And I wish you could – maybe I'll try to take a picture from in here because it looks just horrifying from where I sit. There's just – there's a big empty space on my TV where a shark puppet used to go. Well, we'll get him back to you, Matt. We'll get him back safe and sound. So we have a we have a really interesting discussion we'd like to have, which yeah, we'll get to after the mail. Wanted to do this for a while. Yeah, and this is the forum for that. This mm-hmm. is the – we don't want to drag the show down. The show is typically about an hour long. We do half an hour on each episode. And if we started answering your mail or starting to get into these really – in-depth conversations it would be seven hours long and no one would want to hear it yeah so we do try to keep it at about an hour but this you know these things we'll talk until we're done mm-hmm. and we got like i said we along with the mail we got some really interesting stuff to to look at here so yeah. why don't we crack open the mail and have a look at what you people want us to talk about and while i say this i will stall until i open the mail here we are the first one, as I said, came from Kim. She wrote in 10 seconds after we finished the last one, and I feel a little bad that we're only just getting to it now. She says, can you imagine if Picard had to deal with a Ferengi that was also a child? <laughs> Love and kisses, Kimber. Picard would not have done well on in uh, the early seasons of DS9. I was going to say, so Nog? Yeah. Well, I mean, he'd be set for Yamak sauce and self-stealing symbols. <laughs> I think fucking everyone on that ship was, uh, or on that station was, uh... <laughs> yeah, everyone had self-stealing stem bolts out of the ass. Yeah. Which sealing, apparently is what self- you were sealing. Yes, exactly. I kept saying self-stealing stem bolts, but that's a whole other thing. No, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't... Picard's already, at this, at this point in the series, starting to lighten up on the kid thing, I think. Yeah. There's a great episode coming in season five, early in season five. Where he's got to deal with kids for pretty much the entire episode. That's and, uh, a disaster, right? Yes. And and it, it, I think that's where he turns around. He still doesn't like them. Mm-hmm. But I think after that experience, he's kind of like, you know what? And between that and then um, uh, Inner Light. Yeah. 
where he sort of, ha- you know, where lives a whole lifetime and, and has, yeah. I think he really sort of softens on the issue. And, so. of course, you know, there's always Wesley. Yeah, but Wesley was 14 when he met him. True. That's not quite the same. as And Wesley, for all his faults, could in many ways relate to people as though he were an adult. Mm-hmm. After he started rolling his eyes and saying adults anyway. Oh, God. Yeah. When he stopped becoming the king of all children, he, he was an officer and he could, you know, he could act like one. And a gentleman? Yes. No, not so much a gentleman. No, a gentleman doesn't so. kiss and tell. He told about all his kisses. <laughs> Well, what exactly was he kissing? Every time he had the option of kissing, he would go to the he would go to the bridge instead. No, there was that chick that turned into a teddy bear. Yes, and he had every chance to make out with her, and instead he did what Captain Picard told him, which was oh, nothing. that's right, I forgot about that. Remember, we were really mad about that. But then, fuck, I don't remember anything. This is another reason we're not doing the videos anymore because I don't remember. Yeah, what? What do we do? Star Trek? Start what? Where yeah. am I? The- <laughs> What is Skype? How did I get on here? Who are you? Um, there's a turning into the English Gabs of Star Trek podcasts. <laughs> what is Star Trek? We're actually going to answer that question in our forthcoming uh, crossover with those guys. Excellent. Yes, that is <laughs> question number one. What is Star Trek? We will tell them. Mm-hmm. All will be revealed. Yes, or or what are what we think will be revealed? Yes, anyway. all no, will be all. revealed. Remember, <laughs> read it again, knowing what you know about Wanda. I don't know anything about Wanda. All these years, and I still don't know anything. Nope. I know there's a fish called her, but I don't think it's the same Wanda. Probably not. No. Um, What was I going to say? I don't know. I've forgotten. Oh, when we go to write our episode guide, we're going to see all those titles from season three that look like Seinfeld titles. Yep. The this, the that, the enemy, the price. I don't know what, you know, no idea. Not a clue. The child. Yep. The battle. I will remember the child. Yeah. Yeah. How could we forget? See? My baby! Uh-huh. Next question from DJ. What's in a warp drive? No, really. As my go-to Trek sarcastic dudes, I demand you answer. The Legion of Black Mages. Also, double bacon cheeseburger waffle thoughts. Okay, Brit, keep your waffle crap on our other show. Yeah. This is we don't need to get into that. peanut butter pancakes and double bacon cheeseburger waffles. That's a, that's a whole other thing. But double bacon cheeseburger waffle, I'd hit it. Let's yeah. just leave it at that. I'm all over that. No, 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 no. I don't mean, I don't mean I'd Oh, eat you'd it. have sex with it. I'd hit it. Okay. Right. Um, good to know. Well, I, I mean, they're not building... good to know, but now I know it. Yeah. Yeah, knowing is important. They're building a warp drive. Well, I mean, hypothetically, they got the lithium crystals now. Yep. Which I think we mentioned before, and we'll put a link up. We we don't usually do a lot of links in the show notes for the regular show, but we we got a few things here that I'd love to point out. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's also that, that uh, bit of footage from the new movie. Oh, yeah, that was... We will definitely post that. You know what? That, that was way more... That, I watched that way more times than I expected I would. Uh, I watched it about as many times as I thought I would, which was a thousand. Yep. I like that Abrams keeps this shit quiet. Yep. And I like that he only teases us with tiny... If you haven't seen it, we will link you to it. It is literally, I think, five frames. Yep. Not even a full second. Movies are like 24 frames a second, I think. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this was not even that. I... It was so short, like, I was trying to pause just on the one thing you could see. And no, I and you can't click pause fast enough. No. The fade-in and the fade-out last longer than the footage. Yeah. it's and, and I won't tell you what it is in case you're avoiding spoilers, but it is an image that definitely makes you wonder what's going on here. What's, mm-hmm. What is this character doing? What's going on? And, you know, what is it? Like, it's, it wasn't like a picture of Kirk's face. There's definitely something happening. Yeah. And you're like, what? It's a great tease. He's really good at that. Yeah. No. He's good at not sharing information and then just teasing out a tiny bit. Yeah. I love the fact that, like, it it's coming up quick. Like, I mean, uh, we still got a few months left to wait, but... I think May of 2013. Yeah. yeah so not too long now. But Six we're getting months, there. Finally. And I love that I still have no fucking idea who uh, the bad guy is. I think I know. Really? I think... Well, I mean, the rumors that were going around. Mm-hmm. This was one that actually seemed pretty solid. I don't think we talked about this, though. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it now. If if you are concerned about spoilers, uh, maybe skip ahead three or four minutes. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll try to make this brief. But I don't think it's a spoiler because the movie hasn't happened yeah. yet. All Al knows is rumors. So Yeah. But these are, I mean, I read this on like five different sites. Okay. And it, it seemed like it came from fairly reliable. So I think Benedict Cumberbatch himself said it. Okay. Or maybe Simon Pegg. Somebody close to the set said this. Mm. Of course, they might be spreading disinformation. J.J. Abrams, I would not put that past him. No. 
Uh, okay, so here here comes the potential spoiler. Supposedly, it's Gary Mitchell. Now, see, I heard that Carl Urban had said that. It's and Carl then, Urban that said that, yeah. And then took it back. Uh, maybe they made him take said, it back? Or? Like J.J. Abrams had said that it wasn't him or something. Okay, that could be. My money right now is on that it's not Gary Mitchell. Well, here's the thing. We have seen him in one of those cadet uniforms like Kirk wore in the last movie. Mm-hmm. I believe he is a cadet. I believe he is someone that Kirk went to school with. And now that's so that's interesting. Well, I mean, just based on what we've seen. Yeah. He's got the black uniform with the black Starfleet insignia on it, which means he's a cadet. I think that's a cadet uniform. I, yeah, I believe that's what that's supposed to be. Because yeah. Kirk couldn't wear a proper shirt until he was no longer a cadet. Right. And so just following that logic, he's he's either a current student or that's a flashback, and that was when Kirk was in the academy with him. Mm-hmm. And that's why I thought the Gary Mitchell thing sounded plausible. It does. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they said straight up that he's not, then fine. Okay. Yeah. That's that's cool. I, like I, like anything else, I can't tell you anything for certain. No, of course not. But we, ju- don't, that, we have no idea. Ju- what I have heard is that, it's, is that uh, Carl Urban said it was and that it's not. Well, and that could be one of two ways. He could be fucking with people mm-hmm. or he could have spilled too much and then they said, you, you go take that back right now. Yeah. You go apologize, young man. <laughs> you pay for that window. <laughs> but um, I, I, the other thing is the, the comics are supposed to be in continuity. Yes, and I believe they're written by... Yeah, they're written by Orky or Kurtzman or maybe both of them. Yeah. Like the guys who wrote the first one and also were writing the second one. Yeah. And I think... Those, I mean, they're supposed to be sort of the adventures that happened in between. Yeah. Kirk got command, some stuff happened in between, and then the next movie happened. Mm-hmm. And Gary Mitchell, they've already retold where yeah, No Man Has Gone the first before. One they did. There's already a definitive ending to Gary Mitchell that happened in this. He died, which yeah. is what happened in the episode. That's not a spoiler. It's fucking 50 years old. Yeah. 40. And also, if you listen to the something. show, you know that because we right. told you. Yeah, back in episode like two. Yeah. But, um, I, so. It shouldn't be Gary Mitchell if that's canon. On the other hand, and I think we're up to six hands now, mm-hmm. um, uh, if those comics suddenly went out the window and they said, no, they're not canon, we came up with a cool idea, I don't care. Yeah. I like that we're following, we're playing in that universe, but really, if they came up with, you know, mm-hmm. something that contradicted that, so what? Yeah, no, and the movies the movies have always taken precedent over whatever the comics were, were doing. That's that's the way it goes. Yeah, like that's just how that, that how that works. Yep. And in the meantime, we get the comics, who, by the way, just recently did an excellent version of the Apple. Oh, I haven't actually gotten to that yet. Oh, really? The Tribble one was fantastic. Yes, it was. That's where I left off. I haven't actually, uh, like, I have them. Mm. I've been getting them digitally, and I have them on my iPad. I just haven't read them yet. Yeah. No, uh, check, check it out. It's actually, Are both parts a, out now? It's just, a, it's just a one-off. Oh, okay. It's good. about red shirts. Oh, But excellent. if you read it and you know your Star Trek, it's very clearly set during the Apple. Right. No, and I love the Tribble one, and I won't give away anything about the actual plot, mm-hmm. but there is, we go to a planet, and there's a bunch of Tribbles, and there's a Tribble uh, uh, predator. Mm-hmm. It is very clearly based on the Tribble glomer from the animated series episode, Yep, which looked terrible in that filmation way, which, you know, it was one of those filmation ideas that was very cool that they fucked up. Mm-hmm. The artist took that idea, made it cool. And now it's in the comic, and it's like, okay, that's what it should have looked like. Yep. That's cool. Then there's a lot of that, and I love that they're incorporating the animated series as well as the you know yeah. the classic episodes and stuff. That's great. So again, that series completely worth checking out. I believe they're up to the either the second or third trade is out now. Yeah, they're they're well into like I think it might be up to issue twenty ish mm. or some somewhere in there. Yeah, and highly recommended by both of us. Absolutely. Really good art, good writing, great characterization, and. They're mostly retellings of original series episodes, but they're different because the movie changed stuff. Yeah. There's one in particular where Uhura's relationship with Spock changes the entire outcome of the, that of the was issue. That so freaking cool. Yeah, it was. I'm also a big fan of the uh, Operation Annihilation one they did with Kirk's brother. Yeah, because now we've met his brother. Yeah. And it, it sort of ties back to what happened in the movie. And yeah, it's and it feels very a lot tighter. Yeah. It feels like they aren't unrelated episodes, but that it's a continuing thing that goes on from week to week, Mm -hmm. which is nice. Uh, Next email comes from Richard, and he says, In an interview on The Daily Show, Michael Steele, former RNC chairman, made a totally unsolicited Borg reference. I think that deserves collective props from us, regardless of any political implications. 
Then he says, don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. Now, here's the thing. Remember that we go to Star Trek references here before Simpsons references. Yep. You just admitted to voting for Kodos the Executioner. You're a monster, Richard. Yep. You know how many people he killed? A, a lot. lot. Yeah, I don't remember how many. He killed some... enough people that they called him the Executioner. Yeah, you don't earn that uh, that nickname. I mean, you got you got Ducat and you got Khan and you got a lot of people competing for Executioner. That was is Ducat a hotly the contested title. I thought he was the butcher. He is the butcher. He is the butcher. Okay, good. But as a butcher is definitely below Executioner. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is like the this is like the Oscar. This is like the Academy Award for um for best villain for I'm best pretty, killing guy. I'm pretty sure Ducat's killed more people than Code than Kodos though. I don't think so. He killed a lot of Bajorans. No, but as, I mean, you know, it was to help them out. But I was going to say, as as certain recent guests may tell you, Matt, uh, he was only following orders. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, next one comes from Duncan, and he says, uh, "Hey, Al, Matt, and well, I don't even have to introduce you, do I? Everyone knows you. Mm-hmm. I think he's assuming we have a guest, and we don't. So uh, maybe you do have to introduce the invisible person because <laughs> they've been very quiet." Recently, I've read George Orwell's 1984, which, by the way, is an incredible read, and I noticed that the third chapter, the book is split up into weird subsections. As such, it's kind of confusing at points, though it does fit the sort of structure that an organization might have, but I digress. There's a discussion about the 2 plus 2 equals 4 or 5 phrase. It's a long section of banter that eventually comes down to the fact that 2 plus 2 equals 5, 3, 4, all at the same time. But it reminded me a lot of the episode of Chain of Command, which I don't think you've done quite yet. Not yet. Uh, but the episode had the same torture scene, except with lights instead of math. Did Next Gen steal instead this? Yes. Well, he said mathematical equations. I shortened it to math, but my mouth didn't want to cooperate. Uh, did Next Gen steal this? And just so Matt doesn't feel like I've forgotten him, cogito ergo sum. He loves throwing you Latin for some reason. For some reason. We've established since um, the first time that I don't know a lick of Latin. I, I know, and he loves tormenting you with it. Uh. I the actually I've read this the uh, four lights two plus two equals five thing was deliberate. There's um do you know about that from Matt? Have you read 1984? I didn't do you read 1984. I believe we read uh, uh, Brave New World. No, uh, we read uh, Of Mice and Men that year. Ah, very well. Instead of 1984, it was one or, it was one or the other, and we got that one. Right, well, that's too bad. 1984's got some sci-fi aspects to it. You probably would have gotten more yeah. into it. Um, but there's a bit where they're. Uh, torturing the guy, and they're basically using this as a as a device to break him. Mm-hmm. If you acknowledge two plus two equals five, we win. We basically can tell you to believe whatever we want, and oh, you'll yeah. just go with it. In and and that's what the four lights thing is about. And if you look, Picard's got the 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 Klingon torturers or the Cardassian torturers standing there. He's got two lights to one side of him, two lights to the other, and he wants Picard to say that there's five lights. Mm-hmm. And you can see 2 plus 2 equals 5. It was definitely an homage to that. Yeah. And it was nice because it wasn't a blatant, you know, hey, you read Orwell? Eh? It was just a nice little, if you, if you catch it, you catch it. And mm-hmm. So, no, Duncan, I wouldn't say they ripped it off so much as, you know, Star Trek loves borrowing from, from classic literature and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was just a nice, you know. Look, it's nice that it wasn't Shakespeare or Moby Dick for a change. <laughs> just this once. They, they have read other books. Not many, but... Uh... Yeah, but but they have. That was nice. Also, I always confuse Orwell with Orson Welles. I assume it's sort of a contracted version of his name, Orwell. <laughs> That's all I got on that. Uh, honestly, I'm shocked that you would confuse anyone with Orson Welles. I, well, I feel like you have a pretty def- definitive idea of, of, of Orson Welles no, and what it's he like... gets up to. It's like we launched Orson Welles out into space and then he fell into a wormhole and part of his name got covered up and people thought he was called Orwell. <laughs> and then the Orwell unit returned to find the creator. Ah, Moving on. That. Next one comes from Deke and he says, Greetings. After a long hiatus due to a trip to space Africa, your favorite letter writer has returned. And so have I. <laughs> I always fall for that joke every time. Anyway, this is a topic that could be addressed on either show, but I think it deserves your attention. Worf does not have a chair at his op station on the Enterprise-D bridge. Everyone else has a chair on the bridge, even the assorted red shirts at the science stations. Well, they're yellow shirts, but uh, yellow shirts are the red shirts. Yeah, we know what you mean. Of the Enterprise-D. I know that Tasha Yar probably chose not to have a chair because her ass still hurt all the time growing up on Rape Planet Alpha, (laughs) which, which made it so she couldn't sit. We did not say that. Christ, Wow. But when Worf got her job, he never got a chair. Why is this? 
Do you think Billy Boy and Wesley's new dad were like, ha, let's see how long it takes Mr. Klingon Honor to ask for a chair? Or do you think that the stick is up Worf's butt doesn't allow him to sit either? I mean, what are the chances two people share a can't-sit-down handicap would both wind up with the same job? Do the replicators not have a chair program? Please enlighten oh. me. And then he's written something in Klingon Listen, that I don't know how to read. The Enterprise's computers definitely know how to make a chair. Ugh! I hate it when they make chairs. I hate it! <laughs> you want to you wanna get me to hate a Star Trek episode? Go to the holodeck and build a fucking chair. Ugh! Sorry. Anyway. He Leon, really... we've, we've talked about this before. I don't know why he doesn't get a chair. No, it's one of those things we just don't really get. It's, uh, I think it's because to, to sit at that console, to, that console, you'd need a really high chair, mm -hmm. like a barber's chair. Yeah. And Mr. Mott is using the only barber's chair on the Enterprise. <laughs> like, those things are hard to come by. I'm yeah. pretty sure planets have fought civil wars over barber chairs. Yep. Worf tried to get it back, but, you know, Mr. Mott, he, you no. don't mess with that guy. No, he's got a pair of scissors. He will yeah. fuck you up. You ever seen a beardless Klingon? You don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Worf, you... you you know, you want to grow your hair long, but you're going to keep that Prince Valiant hair if you don't, uh, if you don't watch yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Richard, and he says, I'm right in the middle of watching DS9, so your comments cool. about O'Brien's horrible wife have really hit home. All I need is a t-shirt with Matt's comment, fucking Keiko, across the front. <laughs> What's the opposite of a fan club? Uh, well, it's the club that O'Brien should hit Keiko with. <laughs> Fun fact, the rule of thumb, you, you know the rule of thumb, Of right? course, yeah. yeah. So you can only beat your wife with something smaller than your thumb. Uh, it's been expanded to the rule of a good solid club by the 24th century. <laughs> I, You know, and we actually have a, I'm going to skip ahead to this question. A about fortune in stones, yet I would trade it all for a good solid divorce. <laughs> I'm actually going to skip ahead to this Keiko-related question, which we teased in our last uh, regular episode. Uh, English Gav says, Dear Trek people, what is... Wait, I've done that already. <laughs> when you started TNG, you said you wanted to give Wesley a chance with no preconceived hint of hatred. Yep. Just taking him as he comes as you watch the episodes. Yeah, and we ended up not and hating him. No, I overall. feel we did that. Yeah. My question is, why didn't you take the same approach with Horrible Wife? There was an instant hatred from the second she appeared on screen with no reason at that point to hate her as far as I could see. Yours waiting for Deep Space Nine, English Gav. Oh, well, that's two. He pretends not to know Star Trek, but he obviously does with a statement mm -hmm. like that. Okay, here's the thing. The first time we see Keiko, the very first time, she cancels the wedding. Yep. Next time, she's yelling at O'Brien for not eating her horrible food. Yep. Next time, they got into an argument, which was admittedly sleep-deprived uh, sleep O'Brien's fault. Yep. And then, just two shows ago, we saw her telling Data's girlfriend about the personal problems in their marriage. Mm -hmm. We have not once... In her four appearances, seen her being pleasant to her husband in public no. or private. And look, we, we've talked about this a lot. We fucking love Chief O'Brien. Yes. Okay? And people who cause him unhappiness are people we don't like. Yeah. That dude will get enough unhappiness. Yeah. but That dude has a shit, gets the shit end of the stick. He does. And he always comes out okay. Yep. But, you but know, that's... he always has to go back. He's... It, he, He's likable. That's why it's that's why it's such a great thing to do because you love him. Mm -hmm. You don't want to see him suffer. There's certain characters like, well, fuck them. Let them suffer a little. They deserve it. But yeah. O'Brien, you don't want to see O'Brien get hurt. He's so I'm nice. usually pretty okay with someone wanting to wipe the smile off Bashir's face. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and I like that guy. Yeah. But the thing is, I have literally not once seen what O'Brien sees in her. We don't, we have not seen a scene where they act like newlyweds, where they're kissing, where they're hugging, yeah. you know, where they're cuddly, where they, you know. I mean, just... if we had had a chance to see that relationship form. Yes, absolutely. Maybe. I but... really kind of hoped that she was sweet and nice in Next Gen, and then she got bitchy on DS9 because she didn't want to be there. That would yeah. have been fine. But, but she's just horrible. We have never once seen them her treat him with any respect or kindness or mm -hmm. pleasantness. She's just, I mean, literally there has not been a single scene where she hasn't been bitchy in some way. Yeah. I want it. Like I said, I wanted to like her. Yeah. But I'm afraid not. she can be cute sometimes. Yes. Like she's, she not unattractive woman. And when she's kind of smiley and flirty, which we've seen maybe once, mm -hmm. she, she's kind of cute. That, uh, that same episode where, uh, with sleep deprived O'Brien. Right. Where before they start fighting. Yeah. She's a little. And again, that was his fault. But it's still them fighting. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen her be good. 
Yeah. But it's she just, can be cute. Yeah. She just isn't. No. Which is unfortunate. But that's why. We did give her a chance, and she disappointed us right out of the right. gate. Right. Just, yeah. Immediately. Um, She's just awful. Yeah. Just just terrible. Her? <laughs> what, is she funny or something? <laughs> No. This, this one comes from Flonk. Flonk to Postonic Horror. I found this old Irish nursery rhyme about British King William. Up the long ladder, down the short rope, to hell with King Billy and God bless the Pope. So I guess that explains that. <laughs> yeah, the the episode about the Irish up the long ladder. Uh, Amanda actually did tell me that down the short rope. It, it's it's a you know it's the first part of a thing about hanging. Well, there was a lot of hanging in that episode. Wait a minute. Hang the Irish. Nice one, George Lucas. I mean, Gene. <laughs> North. <laughs> really? Uh, nice one, Gene. I know you can hear me. <laughs> from your script. <laughs> Nobody's going to get that, Max. Uh, I don't care. That one's for us. Always nice to hear from a woman. <laughs> <laughs> this one also comes from Flunk. And uh, again, we're, we're, you know, we go six months between these. We're, uh, we're hearing from the same people because... They're writing in as it occurs to them. They're not like yeah. just obsessed with us or anything. Well, Flonk is. But, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Lynch well, to okay. We're obsessed with him too. Yeah, Lynch to Robotham. There's something I think you should see. All right. And there's a link here. It's the Enterprise intro with the Perfect Strangers song. <laughs> as great as that is, the inverse, the Perfect Strangers intro with the Enterprise song, is brilliant. Flonk out, and we'll link the, these to you guys in the show notes. It's uh, <laughs> exactly what you think. It's pretty fucking amazing. Flonk. Hashtag, why are you watching Perfect Strangers? <laughs> More importantly, hashtag, why are you watching Enterprise? <laughs> no, I, I, I always enjoy, in general, I always enjoy the inter- internet and their mashups. Yep. I think when people find some just some perfect song that goes with something it doesn't belong to, mm-hmm. that's that's usually pretty funny if, if it's the right combination of things. I don't doubt, you know, I don't doubt it. And course, I'm also pretty fond of the Perfect Strangers theme song for some reason. I definitely have a fondness for cheesy 80s sitcom songs, but not particularly that one. Mm. I what think, was your preference? Uh, what would we do, baby, without us? La, 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 la. That's a pretty good one, yeah. Yeah, Or no, sha, la, la, la. Sha, na, 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 Something like that. I don't know. It's been it's a long a time. Family Ties, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Or, if I say the first line of this, you're never going to get it out of your head. Mm. Thank you for being a friend. Traveled down the road and back again. <laughs> You're welcome for that earworm, Your everyone. Your heart is pure. You're a pal and a confidant. And I'm confident. Is it? No. Another one from Flonk. Here's something gross I found on my drink-making app. Uh, so it's called a Red Alert. Okay. Three ounces rye whiskey. Mm-hmm. Three ounces Coca-Cola. Okay. One ounce orange juice. Ew. Combine over ice and highball glass. Enjoy while watching your favorite Star Trek episodes. Drink recipe provided by the mixologist team. So that's what Guinan was making last week. Yeah, with the targ milk, apparently. Yeah. Bleh. Not, not pleasant. Um, this actually relates not at all to Star Trek. I, I recently realized in Venture Brothers, there's a running thing I hadn't picked up on until recently where Dr. Venture loves making terrible homemade cocktails. <laughs> Oh, you like that? It's, I don't know, hot cocoa mixing Kool-Aid and gin or something, you know, just some terrible, like, ugh, really? The last one was a ketchup and bourbon or something like <laughs> that. That's just, uh, it. it reminds me of that. This is probably not the best place to say this, but I fucking love Dr. Venture. Yeah, me too. We'll talk about that when we finish, because the Halloween special was amazing. Oh, man. But, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, <laughs> that's another thing for another time. Time for that when we're not recording. Yeah. Like, like, we do have a like, life outside of this, you know. Yeah, it's when we uh, talk about Breaking Bad for an hour and the mic's not on. Yeah. Man, that show's good, you guys. Yeah, it is. All right. Uh, this one comes from Mike X. Hey, Matt, Al, and the succession of guests. I'm going to take a minute to say thanks again for the entertaining podcast. Aw. Oh, thanks, it's, man. It's how I start out each Monday morning, and it's a lot of fun. And since you guys started on TNG, there's a mar- remarkable lack of checkoff. But that is true. That's something we've enjoyed also. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, eventually we're going to get Kirk, Spock. We got Bones. Uh, we'll get Scotty. No checkoff. Nope. We got Sarek. Oh, shit. No, he comes back in Generations. But not side by side with the crew. Ah, touche. That's a flashback sequence. Not the you same. got me there? Yep. At no point does Riker have to say, hello, Admiral Chekhov. Never happens. <laughs> oh, thank God for that. Yeah. No, he never made it past Commander. That was deliberate. He never made it without biting. He never made it without taking that terrible wig off. 
so you, have you guys seen or read John Scalzi's recent novel, Red Shirts? It's pretty yes. heavily, heavily and deliberately Trek-influenced, with what I thought were some interesting twists as well as some decent humor. You or possibly the listeners might find it a fun read. Of course, if you read it and hated it, just pretend I wasted the last two minutes complaining about the one where Counselor Troy loses her powers. Man, she's annoying. Later, guys, keep cranking them out. We actually both have. This is yes, rare do. because I don't read a lot, and Matt reads a lot of stuff that I don't read. That's true. It's rare that the two of us would have read the same recent book at the same time, but we did. And once, uh, once Red Shirts was announced, uh, like I personally knew I had to read it because I'm a big Scalzi fan. I had not read anything by him. I quite liked his style. Um, I think you dig a lot of his uh, his military sci-fi stuff. I probably. Uh, the thing was, this was a great thing that I wish uh, uh, Amazon and other places would do more of. The uh, the Kindle version or iPad version or whatever gave you the first four chapters free. Yep. And got you hooked, and then you had to buy the book. Mm -hmm. I'd never seen that before. It might be a common thing, but I'm not aware of it. That is the best way. Like, that's, you know, that's like downloading demo of a software. Yeah. You you play it, and you're like, fuck, I need more. And that I was totally hooked in the first four chapters, and I bought it right on the spot. Just clicked buy, and I'm pretty sure I flew through that in an afternoon. Yeah, no, I remember. You shot through that thing right quick. It was it was the same day. I think I bought it at, yeah. like, 10 in the morning, and I was done by, like, 5 o'clock that night. Yeah. I quite liked it. I thought toward the end it got a little too meta. My Yeah, my biggest problem with Red Shirts was the, like, it took forever to end. Yeah. It's got, like, three separate epilogues. Yeah. That didn't bother me specifically. It was just the way the story was structured. I love meta. I yeah. mean, you know, Matt, most of the stuff I write for, for Sarcastic Voyage, a lot of the sketches we do are very meta. They're Absolutely. very self-aware. They're very forth wall. I love that stuff. Mm. There was a lot of that going on in Red Shirts, but then after you back out a few extra layers, it kind of got like, uh, okay, enough. They're, they're too self-aware now. I'm yeah. sorry. But it was quite, quite good. The, the characterization was great. The mm -hmm. plot was good. It was... His, the way he writes narrative is very snappy and quite funny. And, I mean, I three-quarters of the book I loved. Yeah. Enough that I would recommend it. Yeah, no, I, I liked it. Not my favorite Scalzi book. That goes to uh, either Ghost Brigades or the Electric, uh, what is it, the, the Android's Dream. Mm -hmm. But excellent, excellent stuff. And if you're a Trek fan, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, do the thing I did if you have an e-reader. Just uh, go check out those first few chapters because, you know... That's a great, I mean, it's it's of a consistent quality. If you really mm -hmm. like those chapters, it's not like it takes a weird turn after that. It, that's yeah. what you get. So check that out and, and, you know, hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, done. <laughs> I don't think I've read any Trek books recently. Like I was trying to think of, segue into to reading. We talked about the comic, but apart yeah, from I, that. Uh, I was down at Powell's. Uh, I just got back from. Oh, yeah. Uh, the giant bookstore in Oregon and Portland yeah. that takes up of, like an entire city block. And of course, when I go to the biggest bookstore in the world, I go straight for the Trek books. Of course you do. And I picked up uh, the one you recommended, The Buried Age. Yeah. That is probably my favorite next gen thing that I've read. And I also grabbed another of the uh, Department of Temporal Investigations books. Because one of the fact those. Because those exist delights me. One of those I loved. And then. No, there's, is there two or there's, there's three two. of them? Yeah. Okay, the first one I did not like. Okay. The first one had its moments, but it tried really hard to tie together every piece of time travel stuff in all of Star Trek. And it, I just, it tried a little too hard. It has some good moments. The second one was way better. Yeah. The second one involves um, the original series. Like, it's a Kirk Spock Bones story. Uh-huh. Uh, and it actually talks about the origins of the Department of Temporal Organ uh, uh, Investigations. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, all three of those are by uh, Christopher L. Bennett. Yep. That guy, oddly enough, like I loved uh, Buried Age. I loved the second DTI book, but then a couple of the other things he did I did not like at all. He did a, uh, he also did a Titan book for that design. That might have been it. I don't, very inconsistent. He loves his continuity. Yeah. He's one of those guys that really researches the deep stuff and wants to answer a lot of the questions that don't make sense, which I like. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he gets a little too carried away with that. The Buried Age was perfect because there's yeah. a lot of next-gen threads. The main one being, as far as we know, Picard's only ever had command of one ship, and then he got the Enterprise. What's up with that? Yeah. And the Stargazer crashed, I don't know, five years or something before he got the Enterprise. What did he do in the meantime? Yeah. Those are, you know, those are good questions. And then also, like, where did Guinan come from? How did Picard meet Troy? Why is Data no good with humans? Like, there's there's a lot of good stuff there that, that really they flesh out, and it's yeah. great. I quite like that. 
Um, but apart from that, no, I, re- I mean, I read that a while ago, and we probably already discussed it on the show. I, I'm sure we did. I'm I've, sure you did a review of it back when we were still doing those. Oh, quite possibly, yeah. Um, there's just no time anymore, Matt. We're no, very I busy, I would like, I, That's the thing I would still like to do. I just, I haven't read a lot of Star Trek. I haven't read a lot of books. Like I said, I don't read as much as I yeah. should. And when I do, it's like, oh, Terry Pratchett's got six books out this year. Well, that goes to the top of the pile. Yeah. Well, and the <laughs> other problem is you do, you mostly read audiobooks. And... Well, no, that's, you know, I do, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't, I will, like a Trek book. Here's the thing. I don't want to get into my whole <laughs> mental illness problems because they're, they are many and we'll be here all day. But I, I do. Speaking of things we talk about after the show. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm ADD. That's not a, that's not too personal, I think. And I can focus on audiobooks way better than I can focus yeah. on visual books. That's just the way my brain works. If someone's reading me the words, I, I have to listen to every one and I don't skim and I don't skip stuff. I just, I read better that way. That said, Trek books are light enough that they totally hold my attention. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm staring at words and I can't get through it. I can, I can read a Trek book just fine. Because there aren't any unabridged Trek books, as far as I know, audiobook-wise. No, and that is bullshit. It is. The, you asked me about the book Sarek. Yeah. If I'd read it, and uh, I... Well, okay, an unabridged audiobook of a standard three or 400-page paperback should be about 10 hours. Yeah. The one that I heard was two sides of a cassette tape, maybe 90 minutes. Yeah. Uh, it was read by Mark Lennard, I believe, which was nice, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was, it was stripped down all to hell. So no, I haven't read that book. I, I have. I I, I recently uh, went and got my uh, Audible uh, mm-hmm. account back back up because I found listening to books while I'm at work is really great. Oh yeah. Um. So I was looking at Trek books and all of them are abridged, and it, it's ridiculous. Like you're cutting novels I love down to like two hours. Yeah. No, and they're not. They're not just chopping them. You know, trimming them here and there. They are. Tra- they're giving you less than half. Yeah. Like, they took Q Squared, one of the finest Trek novels I've oh, yeah. ever read. Yeah. Easily in my top five. Yeah. And cut it down to two hours. That is... Yeah, like I say, a normal page count for a book is, you know, three or four hundred pages. That that equates to ten to twelve hours of audio. Mm-hmm. So two hours means you're getting, like, I don't know, a tenth of the story or something. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Abridged is one of the filthiest words in the English language. Yeah, it is. There, I said it. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Matt. That's, that's that's good work there. You're doing the Lord's work there. <laughs> the Lord is another of the filthiest words in the English language. Well, yeah. That again. <laughs> when we turn off the mics, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about the Lord. <laughs> um, but anyway, no. I when I'm you know like on the treadmill or something, I will totally read a Star Trek mm. book. It is light enough that it will catch my interest. Once I went through all of Bennett's books, I, that's the thing we've talked about. This Star Trek books, for the most part, are not good. No, it's. It's like anything. There are great authors and there are great single books, but you got to wade through a lot of crap to get there. And the problem is no one reviews these things. Yeah. No one we trust anyway. I've no. read a couple of sites. that's like, I don't agree with anything you say. Yeah. I like Bennett more than I didn't. Like there, there were a couple of books I didn't like, but overall I quite liked his work. Yep. I read everything he did and now I'm out of stuff. Yep. Um, I, my go-to has always been, uh, Peter David. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. When you discover an, an, uh, author that you quite like, mm-hmm. you run them into the ground and then what? Yeah, exactly. I've read all the, I don't care for the new frontier, but I've read all his other stuff and I yeah. quite like it, but that's it mm-hmm. until I find another guy who, who uh, appeals to what I want in a Star Trek book. I don't, you know, I'm yeah, out of the, books. Uh, the Reef Stevens is only wrote. Oh, those, yeah. Those people. guys are the best. Yeah. And yeah, they were actually. Okay, yeah, I read Memory Prime was not very good, and then Prime Directive was really good. I read that on your recommendation, and that was fantastic. Prime Directive is another one of my top five. I love yeah. that book so much. That was I read that fairly recently. That yeah. was fantastic. I agree with you there. But that came bundled with a second book that they did called Memory Prime, and that was just garbage. Yeah. Or garbage, as they say. Garbage. Yeah. Haven't pulled that one out for a while. <laughs> um, yeah, that followed up on The Lights of Zatar, the one that was written by Sherry Lewis. That really did well, not. Well, that's a classic. That didn't need a follow up. No. Every now and then, a book will take, like, an episode that was kind of crap and take the core idea of it and clean it up and make it better. Yeah. This was not one of those. Well, that was one of the things I liked about that. Uh, the buried ages of doing really well is filling in stuff that. Uh, yeah. Or that, like the the comics, mm-hmm. will will take episodes that could have been good, mm-hmm. and turn them into something good. Like, they're, they're not doing a lot of retellings of, you know, 
They're not doing Mirror Mirror or the Doomsday Machine because yeah. those are those are great. They're doing the ones that could have used a little help, mm-hmm. and they're improving them, and that's that's the kind of thing that I like. All right, so that leads me nicely into the discussion, the main discussion that I wanted to have. Yes. This is a little strange. We're probably going to lose a lot of you on this. Not not that you're going to get bored. I mean that you're going to disagree with us. Mm-hmm. You you probably are not going to be on board with, with our opinions here. But, <clears throat> no, you but know? we are going to – this is one of those things I'm going to be interested to hear from people about. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, and as we'll always – We'll come back to this uh, on the next supplemental yeah. show, I think. As always, podcast.algar.com. Yeah. We do have a voicemail, 206-973-3982. You want to weigh in on this, please do. We'd love to yeah. hear from you. And I don't care if you agree with us. Please, make, <clears throat> just make a case. Don't say, oh, you're wrong. Just yeah. tell us why. Give us give us some good arguments. All right. So here's the thing. We, we, we finished recording one day. And we, you know, I've been pretty happy with the show all along. Like yeah. for the last year or so, I don't think we've done a show that I've been unhappy with. I can't say if we're good or not. I can't speak to that. But I think we've been of a consistent quality for a long time. And we turn off and, you know, good show. Great, great work. And I don't remember how it came up, but I said, Matt, this is a weird question. And, you know, don't don't yell at me here. But uh, do you feel like four seasons in, do you feel like maybe next gen still isn't uh, you're, you're not really feeling it the way you felt it with the original series? And Matt goes, oh, my God, thank you. Yes. Yeah. I was so scared to say that. Yeah. It's this... one of those things where, like, I didn't even really want to tell myself that. Cause yeah. I've been a TNG fan for a long fuck off time. Yeah, and the and the assumption, the assumption always is okay. Well, yeah, the original series is cheesy, but then it gets really good with Next Gen. Yeah, and it does. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's my argument, and Matt, feel free to to chime in and and tell me where you're with me and where you're not. Mm-hmm. Next Gen is a better show. Yeah, it's, it's better written, it's better produced, it's better put together, it's got a budget. In every measurable quality way, it's better. But I don't care about the characters that much. I don't have that much invested in most of these characters. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them I really like. Oh, I like them. Picard is a excellent fucking character. Picard is the one I do care about. Yeah. I legitimately care. Yeah, Data to some lesser extent. I love Riker. I love Geordi. But, uh... No, I mean... I did not expect going into this to feel this way. I Kirk and Spock and Bones are still the the quintessential, you know. Yeah, Kirk that's and Star Spock Trek. and Bones may be the finest pairing of characters. Is it par- when it's three? Is it what is the pairing? The tri- triad. The, the, the finest yeah. trio of characters. There you go. In like television. In in most narrative fiction, I would mm-hmm. say even, and uh, this is us from a geek standpoint. Obviously, we don't know classic literature and blah 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 i mean this is us with what we deal with but as far as genre television goes oh yeah i mean you got your great partnerships you got your scully and Mulder, and you Mm -hmm. got your you know the rest yeah i had a whole list in my head that just completely that's pretty much it no 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 there's there's tons of stuff where you got great characters together but those three Mm -hmm. there's something about them and they had good episodes together but there's something that endures beyond the series beyond the movies into the books, into the comics. Yep. That just there's something about those three that just are perfect. Yeah. They're perfect reflections of each other. I've heard them described, and we've talked about this before. I've heard them described as like the id, the ego, and the superego, or as like the what is it, thinking, feeling, and doing. There's a lot of different ways to break it down, but that they they basically reflect different aspects of of a human being. Yeah. No, they're just this perfect sort of combination of character. And I think that's maybe part of the problem with Next Gen is individually they're good characters, but they don't feel like they belong together. No. They feel like somebody threw together some good actors and good characters, but those guys felt like they had to be – like that was a cornerstone of what the 2009 movie was. Kirk and Spock have to be together. Yeah. That That is a partnership that needs to happen. It's very strange to me how um, you had Kirk and Spock who were two of the closest characters ever, mm-hmm. right? Played by two actors who couldn't stand each other. For a while. They ended up making their peace, but yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like... Oh, the next-gen crew love each other. The next-gen crew, like, the, the, the actors are incredibly close. Even, like, still, there was a photo that went up last week or the week before mm-hmm. of Michael Dorn and Brent Spiner at a dinner, like, together. Uh-huh. Just... Like, I, they were in some ki- the kitchen at someone's place or whatever, just cooking, and it was just adorable. 
Well, and I've said this many times before. If you go to a convention or, or event or whatever, and there's any two mm-hmm. from that from that core cast, any two, any combination of two, they will be delightful. They love each other, and there's yeah. no like there's no bad blood as far as I can at least publicly. They may mm-hmm. hate each other privately. I don't know, but in public, they're all they work off each other well. They're just there is, and I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I will put a link up. I was telling Falanca about this earlier. There is a it's probably an hour long, maybe a little longer. Uh, Q&A they did. It was all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, they had Denise Crosby off to the side. <laughs> she was up there. To her credit, she did not insinuate herself in. She basically sat there, and when they when they asked to include her, she answered. But she did not pretend that she was, you know, the same as them. Yeah. Which is nice. I'm, I'm glad that she understood that some people yeah. want to hear from her, but she's not part of the main thing. You don't get... Yeah. You don't get to be one of us. There was a there was a clip actually I was made aware of this from Topless Robot or IO9 or one of those sites because Delancey shows up sort of in the middle of it. Uh-huh. There's a great bit where somebody asked Patrick Stewart what his favorite villain was. And he kind of hems and haws and he can't remember the name of a character and he asks Will Wheaton cuz Will Wheaton's the go-to nerd. Sure. And Will Wheaton tells him it's it's uh, uh Damon Bach like one of the Ferengi. Mm. And we're all like, "Wow, really?" That's a weird choice. And then there's a dude in the audience who's like, you know, oh, really? Or something like that. And he walks up. He hands a big bouquet of flowers to, to uh, Patrick Stewart. Flowers? And it's John Delancey, and he's milking <laughs> the applause, and he's, you know, taking big sweeping bows. <laughs> and it's just fantastic. He's hamming it up in front of all of them for like five minutes. It is, the whole thing is great. That's awesome. But that in particular, because the 25th anniversary is happening this year, it started in 87, it's been 25 years, there's a lot of events with them all together. And it's nice, you realize they're still friends, they're all yeah. still, and like you say, there's, there's just, that chemistry does not carry over to the characters. No, I mean, there's a little bit of that there. I We've talked about Data and Jordy. There's Data and Jordy, there's How Riker, well they click. Riker and Troy. Yep. Mm. Trying to think of any other particular pairings yeah. of characters, Picard and Riker are getting sort of a father-son thing. They're not pals, but there's a mutual respect and a bit of affection there. Yeah, but it's it's not the same. No, we're talking like this is a crew of people that are ostensibly supposed to be very close friends at this point. Yeah, they've worked together for almost five years. By the you know where we are. Yeah, and I just I don't see it. No, I mean, there was a scene that we talked about in Redemption Part 1 where mm-hmm. Worf's leaving. Yeah. And everyone's sad to see him go, and it's it's a very touching scene. But you still don't feel like these are his friends. They're his co-workers. They respect him. Yeah. Nobody's really friends with Worf. I don't, yeah, I don't think Worf really has any friends. No, I, I get the impression. We haven't seen this. This is total speculation on my part. I get the impression he's hanging out with his security guys. Yeah. Like they do, you know, let's go do a, a, a weekend retreat and go camp out in the woods on this planet or whatever. Like I get, I get the feeling when Tasha was there. Actually, they implied that they do, they they do sort of sporting events against the other. Uh, yeah, that would have been a friendship I would have liked to have seen develop. Yeah, I think those two would have made would have made good friends. But I get the feeling Worf, like we've seen him, be protective over his guys. I think he's friends with them. I think mm-hmm. that's who he hangs out with is the other security guys. Yeah, but he's still their boss, so he can't be that friendly with them. Right. But yeah, I don't feel like any you know, apart from Data and Jordy and Riker and Troy. That's it. Oh, and, and Troy and Crusher. I don't really see that. Uh, but they are written as friends. They're they written don't... as friends. I just, I don't see it. Fair enough. But you you feel like everyone's at work and they like their coworkers. Mm-hmm. But Picard is definitely their boss and he definitely is the guy in charge and everyone defers to him. Yeah. Whereas Spock and Bones would, you know, needle at Kirk all the time. Yeah. Question his decisions and countermand his orders and, you know. One of the things I think that we really lost with the whole no conflict in the future thing, and you want to talk about things I've bitched about a lot. Mm. Um, we both have. Yeah. But one of the, like, you no longer have that sort of, like, you know, TNG, you don't have characters who can just sort of rag on each other like Spock and Bones did. Yeah. And that's true. That's sad. Well, and that's one of the reasons I like Pulaski, because while she was sort of a copy of Bones. Mm hmm. It was still nice to see one of the main people sort of, you know, giving Data crap. Mm-hmm. And I know, again, they were trying to copy that. And yeah. it, it, it felt a little stale because of that. But it was still nice to see somebody that not everyone got along with. And she, she was at odds with the captain a lot. And I liked her better than, than Beverly for that reason. And she was a better doctor. 
Well, yeah. And a better actor. Okay, for every reason, really. But no, she was a character that really could have brought a little more conflict. Yeah. Well, Shitty tap dancer, though. Good <laughs> lord. Yeah, terrible. I mean, she goes through tap dance shoes like... Just awful. Yeah, not good. Like Worf goes through chairs. Yeah. Um, or, ironically, tap dance shoes. Yeah. No, Klingon tap dancing is uh, is not a very subtle art. A lot of honor, though. A lot of stomping. Yes. Um, When we get Ensign Row, I believe, in Season 5... There'll be a little more conflict, but that's it's not the same. We, no. We're talking about core core cast. Uh, the other thing that we always loved that I don't think we knew going into it, but we realized the, the original Star Trek was all about Kirk doing whatever he wanted with his friends. Yep. I think going in, we didn't quite get that. But at the end, it was that it was, was the extremely clear that that's what track that's what original Trek is all yeah, about. That's that was our running joke, but it was also completely true. Mm-hmm. It's it's. The adventures of a guy who gets whatever he wants and his friends who he extends that same courtesy to. Yep. <laughs> that is it. And if you look at the movies, he stole the Enterprise to go rescue Spock. Yep. He, you know, then he went to Vulcan to, to save Bones. I mean, he does, you know, he does what he wants for yep. his friends. What's the what's the number one, the, what's the real prime directive of, uh, of Starfleet? And it justifies the means. Yep. Look out for your pals. Yep. Do whatever you want, as long as it worked out at the end. But I think because of that, and, and that's half a joke, but it's really not, mm-hmm. the, the real core of that is you get that sense of, for want of a better word, adventure. Mm-hmm. You get the sense that Kirk is out there having fun. He's out there with his friends, having fun. He loves being in, backed in a corner because then he can really show his stuff and get out yeah. of it. Picard's doing a job. He's not having fun. No, I mean, he, he loves... He has, he, a pa- he has a passion for it. He but, loves exploring. We, we see him get excited when there's new stuff. Yeah. But I never get the impression he's having fun exactly. There, that whole – I feel like that's the biggest thing that's missing from TNG is that yeah. it's not a very fun show. You're, you're absolutely right. And I, while the original series, again, is not as good a show on a lot of levels, mm-hmm. there is that sense. that, And I think it's a very 60s thing. Mm-hmm. Space is exciting. It's new. It's you know you got to be a brash hotshot to really take it over. And by the nineties, we're like, no man, you got to be an intellectual. You got to be diplomatic. Yeah, well, well, that's true. But it's just not. But I know who I would rather watch. Yeah, absolutely. Now I also know who I'd rather work with, and it ain't Kirk. No. <laughs> Honestly, I'd rather have Cisco as a boss than anybody. But right now, focusing mm-hmm. on where we are, I'd definitely rather work for Picard, mm-hmm. and try my best not to disappoint him. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, Picard is a great character, obviously acted very well. Yes. You know, he's very distinguished. You understand why he's in control. But he's just not fun. No. And Kirk is just, you know, a douche, and you wouldn't want to know him in real life, but he's a blast. You always want to see what he's up to this week. Yeah, how how the hell is he going to get out of this one? Here, Here's the thing. I may not have liked every episode of the original series. No, in fact, I think we didn't like at least half of them. <laughs> But I was always excited to watch them. Yeah. Like, I was always entertained. I, mean, I don't know. Toward the end of season three, we were getting a little burned out. Even, like, the dumbest episodes, like, they're still... It, it, you could at least mock it. No, and there were a couple episodes I know where we particularly hated them. Plato's Stepchildren, The Apple, stuff like that. Yeah. And we would always come back to, well, at least Bones had a good scene. Yep. Because he he always would. Okay, here's Bones doing something. He's he's going to save us. <laughs> Take but, us with you. Let's see what you're up to instead of watching the rest of this. But when TNG gets boring, yeah. it gets interminable. Yeah, it does. Like, I just... There is stuff... Like, I will be desperate to do anything yeah. else, you know? No, there are certain weeks. And sometimes it's because I remember Gronk. Yeah. But there are certain weeks where I see the episodes coming up and I put off my... Star Trek homework, as we call it, until the last possible yep. minute. Oh, I don't want to sit through this. And actually, most recently, Mind's Eye was that. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a dumb episode. Thankfully, I was pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. But I put it off because uh, I thought it was terrible. Yeah. And because there are legitimately episodes of Next Gen like that where, oh, I don't want to sit through this. Mm-hmm. There, there's nothing like that from the original series. It's either terrible or it's Fantastic. interesting. or Yeah. But either but way, it's It's, it's rarely boring. Yeah. I think there's a very good reason J.J. Abrams came back to Kirk. Mm-hmm. Not only just from a marketing standpoint of 
people think of Captain Kirk when they think of Star Trek. That's, yes. That's true. And that's I think definitely true. The general public can relate more to going back to basics. Yeah. But there's so much more there. Yeah. Especially, I think here's, here's the biggest problem you have. Those characters have developed over the years. Some of the things we know and love about them didn't really happen until late in the movies. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't really get the idea of Kirk being a cheater, which I think is a quintessential part of his character. He will win because he will just cheat, flat mm-hmm. out cheat. He changed the rules in the Kobayashi Maru. There's a million other examples. But until someone realized this is what he's all about, it didn't really gel. Then we only had three movies and he went away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't have the advantage of modern characterization in media. Old TV didn't do that kind of thing. No. But move, you, with the movies now, you can say, okay, now we get what he's about. Now we can tell modern stories with him. And I think it works a lot better that way. Mm. You understand what I mean? Like, they, they, they can tell more sophisticated, dramatic stories the way they tell stories now, whereas back then it was kind of a throwaway thing. Right. I don't know. I, just, I mean, I agree with you. I'm just, I can't believe, I just, I woke up one day and I said, oh God, I, how is this possible? We're in the best part of next gen right now. It, how? It, that was such a weird little discovery for me. Yeah. And I'm just hearing that you felt that same way was such a relief. Like, oh, thank Christ. <laughs> this oh, would thank have been God. A, I'm not crazy. Well, not only that, but this would have been a weird argument to get into because I don't know that I can defend this in a logical no. way. We've done the best we can right here, but mostly it's a gut feeling. Yeah. Mostly it's a totally intuition. Like, I, I don't know. I just like this better. Mm. I can't tell you why entirely. I just, there's two things I feel like, there's two things I come, I keep coming back to. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to DS9. Well, yes. And I miss the, and I miss the, the original series crew. I'm with you on both, but someday, and this is half a joke, but someday we're going to look back and say, man. We were watching Next Gen. Yep. We're in season five of Voyager. Is this ever going to be over? Don't you miss Next Gen? Yep. I'm not. We are watching a good show right now that it's at its peak. I am not for a minute saying that I do not like TNG. I love TNG. Yeah, me too. But I was very surprised to learn that in the Mm. list of Trek shows, it comes in at three. Yeah. I'm afraid so. Yeah. Very strange. It is. It's not, like I say, it's not what I expected. And I'm kind of glad in a way. Mm-hmm. When we started doing this, we deliberately started at the very beginning and we're working our way through chronologically. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad because it gives us an opportunity to challenge our preconceived notions. We have a lot of things that we, we read, we talked about this. We read episode guides as kids, both of us. Yep. There are a lot of things we assumed we knew because we read a one-sentence synopsis. Mm-hmm. I did not watch nearly as many episodes of, of Star Trek as, you know, I, I thought I did. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of next-gen assumptions that I made about next-gen, like I said about, like, uh, Mind's Eye recently. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I remembered it one way, and we watched it, and like, oh. Or there are things I watched at age 16 that I just didn't get back then. Mm-hmm. I watched them now, and I was like, oh, that's what's going on. We yeah, talked we about that. just we... talking about uh, Redemption. Yeah, where... I didn't care about the Klingon politics back then, but now I love it. Yeah. So it's nice for us to go through and sort of challenge the way we felt. And one of those, the, one of those things was, well, the original series is okay, kind of cheesy, but next gen's where it starts getting good. Turns out, nope, that's not entirely how I feel. No. I'm going to be very interested as we go into DS9, uh, just because that was a show that I watched in my early 20s. Yeah, and I, I was. Watch it the, I didn't watch it the first time through. I watched it in reruns on uh, the Canadian version of the Sci Fi Channel. See, I watched it in my early 20s as it aired. Yeah. I started watching in 95. I remember specifically when I started watching, and I was 21 at that point. Mm. And I, oh my God, when that got really going and when yeah. it got serialized, and I was actually talking, and I, I don't want to say anything yet because there are people who haven't seen it yet. But we were, and we actually talked about this a little in Redemption as well. The bit with the uh, we were talking about Galron. Mm-hmm. There is one of the season finales of Next Gen or of DS Nine that involves Galron, and I, w- I won't say which. That it, it just reminded me seeing him, and then I just remembered what we have ahead of us. And it's like, oh man, yeah. If nothing, and I'm, I'm worried that we're going to watch DS Nine and, and fall into this same trap. That our assumptions are not correct. Yeah. But on the other hand, objectively. 
that show did serialization. That show told long-form stories, which I think both of us like better. That show is everything that I love about TV now. Yeah, exactly. That show did what TV does now regularly, and it had to fight every step of the way to get away with it. Yeah. Because they just didn't want to do that, especially in syndication. So in that regard, I think we're still going to like it, but I think we're on the same page where we liked the show, but we also have these very sentimental remembrances of it. And I wonder if I could watch an episode like, say, In the Pale Moonlight and not like it because I remember liking it instead of taking it on in its own merits. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If I watched the 2009 Star Trek movie right now, I could not tell you what I think about it today because I remember loving it so much that that has become my opinion. Does that make sense? Yeah. You just – you love it because you know you love it. Yeah. There's really no – defense for it. That's why I loved Transformers and why I reviewed those. It's not because mm. it was good. It's terrible. Yes. But it's yes, because it as, <laughs> as a kid, it brought me such joy. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about certain things in Star Trek. It's hard to have an objective opinion. I try my best for the show, but sometimes I just, it's because I feel that way. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, you would think that feeling would win over with Next Gen, but eh, no. I, I miss Kirk and Spock and Bones. Right. Yeah. Especially Bones. Yeah. There's I, just, there's not that... I don't think... I don't think Picard would give up everything to save his friend. No. I don't think Picard has any friends. The way the way you would define those guys. Yeah. Those guys love each other like brothers. Yeah. They are that close. There's Picard's not that close with anybody. You, you saw a relationship form over that series. Yep. That culminated in Kirk giving up Everything, like losing his friend to save the day. Yep. And then... Blowing up the ship, which he loves like a woman. Yeah, and then giving up everything to get him back. He was willing to to risk his career, which was an entire life, and and his son died. Like, yeah, he he lost everything. Yeah. I don't... I just... I don't see Picard Picard doing that. No, absolutely not. That's sad. Yeah. I... You know... Thinking about it even further, we loved Bones, and we went on and on about we, he was both our favorites. He was yep. just so great. Yep, he was so likable. That was one of my first surprises when we were when we started. Yeah, uh, that wasn't so much a surprise for me, but I'm glad you were you were on the same page with me. That's another one of those I couldn't. If you didn't see it, I could not convince you. Yeah, I'm glad you saw that one. Um, but if you think about Next Gen, is there anyone in that cast? I guess Jordy. Mm. But is there anyone in that cast that's really just so likable? Where you see him and you're like, man, I'd love to hang out with that guy. He's great. I am always very pleased to see Jordy. Yeah, but not in the same way you were pleased to no. see Bones. And it's the same thing with Data. I love Data a lot. Yeah. But that's it. But he's like, not. He's definitely not Bones. No, exactly. And it's it's just uh, so weird. Bones had this sort of everyman quality to it, you know? Bones is how I want to be when I'm 60. That like, is, that is the... straight up it. <laughs> Like, he's the guy who's, like, you're flying around in space looking at all this insane stuff, and he's the guy at the back going, that's <clears throat> that's kind of weird. Yeah. Now, Bones is exactly who I want to be when I get old. He's yeah. He's cranky on the outside, but he's actually pretty okay. He's mostly taking jabs at people to, you know, to, to make sure they don't get too carried away, to yeah. keep them a little humble. But he's actually a really sweet guy inside. I hope, you know, maybe one day if I ever become sweet, I could be that. But. <laughs> A lot of Hope work. Springs Eternal. Yeah. No, it, I honestly, seriously, being, you know, not not with the false humility, yeah. I kind of see myself as him already. I, I really, like, sarcastic on the outside, but really not that bad when you get down to it. Yeah. Like, that's, I, I kind of hope that I'm like that. <laughs> Whereas there's nobody in the next gen crew that I want to be like. No. Well, maybe Riker. Yeah. I could see that. Unfortunately, I'm recording in a closet and I can't put my leg up, but... <laughs> For the for your next uh, for your next next time you put together a sound booth, uh, yeah, make sure uh, there's leg room. To little put room leg for leg room. Little little uh, Riker ottoman. Yes, that would be good. Um, I, I actually did. I may have mentioned this before. I really did grow my beard because of Riker. Have I have I talked about that? I believe you mentioned that on on an SV a long long time ago. There's not much to it. It's not like a story or anything. No, it's when I was <laughs> the tale the the, the secret origin of, of Al's beard. No, it was, I was 17, and I realized I could grow a beard, and I realized people wouldn't card me if I had a beard. (laughs) 
But I'm thinking, would a beard look stupid? And then I watch Star Trek and like, well, okay, that guy makes it work. Guy's got the greatest beard I've ever seen. Yeah, and you know, it's not exactly the same, but the, the trick is that he keeps it trimmed. It doesn't get all scraggly. He keeps it nice and neat, and that's that's what I learned from Riker. Yes, Father. I will become a beard haver. <laughs> then you write a little bell. And then and then when I cut it down to a goatee, it was because of evil Spock. But that's right. that's a different thing. All right. I think that's about all we had about this. I just I, yeah. I wanted and, to get again, that out we'll there. I, I'd like to come back to this in the next supplemental episode. And I'd like to know what you know other people think. Well, I know. I know there are people who've been following along with us. Yes. And those are the people I'm primarily concerned with hearing from. Mm-hmm. It, I, because, again, we, 20 years later, looking back, thought that we liked Next Gen better. If you make that assumption, it's not quite the same. I'm curious to hear if you've watched them in order or if you've watched them recently, what you think. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't just tell us what you think you believe. Tell us, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I'm just I'm really curious if anyone else feels the same way or if you completely disagree and, yeah. you know, let us know what we're missing. In which here. case, we would like to hear that, too. Yes. So let us know about that. Yeah. Uh, I believe that's all. Um, yeah. We always appreciate your mail and uh, it'll be another few months before we get to it again. But uh, please continue sending that. Yep. As always, you can get our uh, episode guide. You can get our app on postatomichorror.com. Um, now, that's all from us for this time. Thank you for listening. We do appreciate your patronage, and uh, we will talk to you next time. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.